learn the unforced rhythms of grace, learn to live freely and lightly. And I mean, those are the key to the book. That's what I realized was at the heart of it, you know. So how do you, how do you learn to live in the unforced rhythms of grace? How do you learn to live freely and lightly? This is the Thin Space Podcast, and you are listening to part two of our conversation with Mike Walbridge, author of The Silent Jesus, learning from our Lord's life of prayer. In this episode, Mike shares more of his story and sends us off with a prayer and a blessing. And now to our interview with Mike. There's an implication Mike, to what you're saying, I think, which is that there exists a knowledge beyond words. Oftentimes when I think of the word knowledge, I, I think of things that I know and, then, and that I can say. And if I, I don't know something that I can't say it, but what I've experienced and what I hear you saying is that there exists a knowledge, a type of knowledge that words can't be uh, word, words can't describe or begin to describe, but it's no less a type of knowing. But what you're talking about, though, this knowledge is 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 known to all of us. Uh, as I, as I said to Larry, it's in our everyday relationships. We're just not aware of it. You know that our knowledge uh, of each other in relationship is not based on the words. I mean, they will have some impact but it's it's far more about well about love and love love can't be put into words we can try but it's an it's a knowledge again just as you say so you're absolutely spot on like that reminds me um in the book you you um you say in contemplative silence the exchange is love itself and that's a, um, it feels like this, we're kind of have moved into that. And I was just curious, just if, what, what you would have to say about, about what more you would have to say about that. And also just, you know, as you've kind of moved, as God has led you um, in your prayer life to move through that diagram, you know, what has happened in your relationship um, with God uh, as a result of that? And, and, and is it related to this exchange of love itself between you and, and the Trinity? Just any thoughts that you would have on, on that? I never really moved through that diagram. I, I just went from verbal prayer to contemplative. I think given my experiences of God in the beginning, and my desire to recapture something of them, you know, um, because they, they, they kind of just suddenly stopped. I was getting all these amazing mystical experiences and then all of a sudden, no more. And so, you know, part of my journey has been to kind of recover that intimacy with God. So I went straight from verbal to contemplative prayer and I've never really done um, meditative prayer and there are other reasons that feed into that that I won't touch on now. 
As I moved into contemplative prayer, God has become much bigger, much, much bigger, but more mysterious at the same time. And yet, therefore, more trustworthy, more trustworthy. I found, I think, in the fruits, just ease, peace. I live, I live with peace and an awareness of God's love for me. That's that's my companion, if you like. They are my companion. I won't say that there are not times when I might get angry over something or a bit upset over something, but generally speaking, I live in a, a state of peace and a knowledge of God's love. I have to say, though, that um, my ongoing illness, my ongoing health problems have given me an advantage in in that insofar as my life doesn't have too many stresses, I'm not working, so on and so forth. Uh, and even when I, I get a lot of migraines, um, I'm aware that over the years I spent a lot of time in, just in God's arms in pain. Definitely the, 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 the flavor or the big difference in contemplative prayer in my relationship with God. Yeah, and I would point to those things, to, to, to the fruits that I've written about, particularly peace. Um, but I've been aware of God dripping his love into me. Mind you, like you, I had those experiences at the beginning of God's love and they've never gone away, you know. Um, but uh, it's there all the time. I had so much prayer over the years some cases it's almost been um, searching for the word uh, spiritual abuse in, in some cases when people were when i wasn't healed and people would get angry i've had so much prayer though over the years for for healing and nothing no, no sign of god answering that prayer and indeed my health has got considerably worse over the years from from the point when i became a Christian, which is ironic. And yet I I don't have any questions. I don't ask God why, why me? You know, why do I have to go through this? The reason being I know he loves me. So whatever he's doing is based on his love for me and, 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 and for my best interests. I don't know what those interests are. Uh, maybe it's a thorn in the flesh. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe in giving me this these problems, I am more dependent on him with all the blessings that flow from that. Maybe it is to give me the space in order to be a contemplative. I, I often joke that I'm a kind of enforced contemplative, you know, that he's gradually pushed me into this corner, marked contemplative, contemplative at work. You know, when I came back from Regent College, I'd been away from the accountancy profession for long enough uh, that the that I was ill-equipped to rejoin it, um, so I was kind of de-skilled, and uh, that's gone on with my my health. So it's 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 strange to see how bad health is a blessing, but I can't help but notice the fact that I I've been gifted through that. Mature Christians. Or a lot of them will have maybe a split 
life. They've got a, a good job at work. They may be professional or something, it's like a doctor. And they get to, uh, to work and they are professionally trained. They know everything they need to know. And there they may not need to lean on God very much. They have everything out there. And then they go home to their loved ones and family life and, and their God is maybe more needed. And yet I need God just to get up in the morning, to get out of bed. Um, so he, he is uh, equipping my whole life. Um, I wouldn't be here now talking to you if, if you hadn't uh, helped me this morning. Um, somebody sent me a scripture yesterday which you knew about this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Um, it's, it's my weakness that is, that is the strange blessing. Yeah. what you're talking about is quite profound the the experience your experience that you're sharing with us about your life and finding experiencing the strength of god in in your weakness uh, it, such an encouraging word it it, it allows uh, i hear you I hear God through you saying it's it, your weakness is okay, and it's so often looked down upon in our society, or 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 we're even we we fear our own weakness, uh, and I've experienced that. So maybe not everybody does, um, but it's it's to find God there, to to be with God, and to see God present in your circumstances is profound my my mother was sick for quite some time and i witnessed and i still witness through her journals in in the last year of her life the presence of god that was so thick and there's a, a thick presence of god in in her last year that i have a a as I have conversations with people like you and as I experience things in my own life, I have a deeper understanding or, or a deeper unknowing <laughs> that becomes more mysterious. But in that mystery, there's a different type of knowing that's beyond words, kind of what we were getting at mm -hmm. earlier for how God uh, takes care of us. And, and I, I hear that. I'm reminded of that and, and what you're sharing with me today, what you're sharing with us today. Thank you. Yeah, it's something I'm, I'm just sort of, it's been going on so long, I just, uh, it's kind of normal to me. It's just, this is how it is, you know, and uh, so I just kind of accept it. I don't deny there are times when I think, oh, it'd be nice to be healed. Um, I'm getting tired of my aches and pains, but um, 
it's been pointed out to me that uh, it's 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 no less a miracle the very fact that I've never uh, gone through any kind of depression that I am in constant pain and without ever having suffered depression, which is I don't think normal. Like I say, I feel blessed in so many ways in, in, in knowing God's love, which is in the case of everybody. I asked a guy next door who's a pastor, a retired pastor, friend of ours who uh, pastored for many years, and I, I said to him, Francis, uh, in your experience, what percentage of Christians in the church know God's love at a deep level, at a heart level, if you like? Um, rather than just as a theological uh, affirmation. And uh, he looked downcast for a second and said, uh, a minority. That is sad. And, and that is where I, I think my book can come in, um, leading people into that place where the words can stop for a while. People can just experience God, that would be my hope. I would be full of joy if I knew that some people were going to experience God's love and his identity. Mike, can you can you say a little bit more about you know you just that was just a prayer <laughs> of your heart um, it's beautiful um, can you say a little more about the identity piece of this just like what is what is your hope and your prayer for people that are reading this about the identity side of this how'd you express that? Well, I think identity and love, knowing God's love, go hand in hand. We are sons and daughters of Christ. We know what our identity is, biblically speaking, sons and daughters of God. Um, we are in Christ. But that is a, a lovely biblical message, but it, it's not a reality for so many people who don't know who don't know God's love. Many people pick up the habits of society and are finding their identity in what they do for God. And I think uh, my own personal opinion is that um, the burnout of so many pastors is partly due to the fact that they don't have their identity in God. They don't, they don't know God's love. At a, a deep level. And so they're constantly seeking to please God. So many people try to please God, and it's, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Um, we please God from the moment we wake in the morning. We are his children. We don't have to earn his, his love. But because we don't know God well, because we don't really experience his love, 
we are in pursuit of it. There was a there was a so-called uh, there was a guy called Pelagius who was uh, responsible. It wasn't really; it was his followers for the heresy of Pelagianism. Are you aware of that? Do you know Pelagius? Uh, he was actually a, a Welsh monk, actually. I only found out the other day, and that was his Greek name. Um, he taught, or his followers taught, that uh, we are saved by uh, works, basically. Uh, salvation comes through works. And uh, one of Jim Houston's comments I read at one point was that, to all intents and purposes, most modern Christians are practical Pelagians. That we we believe up here that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, but deep down we are Pelagians. Deep down, hidden subconsciously, we feel we have to work in order to win God's love and, and salvation, and that puts enormous pressure on you. And I think, you know, as I say, um, pastors um, are at the mercy of trying to please God and, and please congregation. If, if you know yourself that you're loved by God and you take on board what um, Jesus spoke about when he said, I only do what I see the Father doing, that is, we, we only do what God wants us to do, nothing more, then, then it is easier, I won't say easy, it is easier to um, fight off the requirements of the congregation. Well, I won't say easy. Yeah, definitely not. Congregations are, are difficult. Um, they're full of Christians. And uh, all of us broken. But uh, yeah, it, it's... Um, there's a book I mentioned in the back of my bibliography called it's called With Reimagining the Way You Relate to God by Sky Jathani, which is a wonderful little book that gives models of the way we, um, our relationship with God is distorted. And he says, uh, place should be with God in relationship to God, as I recall. But he, he lists four different ways in which our relationship with God can be skewed, if you like. Um, and one is for God. One is for God, where you're doing things for God to try and please him. One is, I think, under God, where you are doing things for God to try and appease him. Uh, kind of Old Testament model of God. One was from God, the idea that um, your God is somebody who's going to provide you with everything that you need. And the last one was over God, that you know, somehow don't fully understand, like a, like a businessman or somebody who recognizes his God as as somebody with good moral teaching, but um, that's not going to really affect what he does. It's a good little book, and uh, so there's much more than that, but um, I think from God, 
uh, not from God, for God and under God were the most interesting. That uh, we we do things for God in order to try and please Him or to to appease Him, and um, we sound very lazy. But I don't feel as though I need to do anything for God unless until He tells me to. I can remember one day having a a bad migraine, and, uh, and my wife gets a a phone call from some women who are praying on a beach nearby. It was part of a kind of national uh, pray day for women uh, that were praying in various key locations around the UK. And they were praying on a, a beach nearby. And they, uh, they rang, somebody rang up and said, uh, can I come down to pray with us at the beach? And I knew it was God. I knew it was God and I had to be there. So I managed to get there despite the migraine. And, uh, so I always, if I, I can, with God's strength, do what he tells me to do when he does. But he doesn't make, I don't think he makes huge demands of me. Um, it's a much nicer way to live. Wait on God. Do you have anything for me to do today? Eugene Peterson was a fantastic teacher of biblical spirituality and he was always going on about story, how important story is. Um, and we, we do the Bible a disservice, I think, by uh, breaking it up into verses. Um, they make it easier to learn, but they make it feel more like a manual that has the answer to every question. You know, what verse? I've got this problem, what verse do I go to? And um, they deny it's most of the Bible. It's it's a narrative quality. The fact that it was story, and then in story, the thing about story is that often there are things said, but they're they're kind of hidden. They're not hidden. They're inferred rather than written down. And we we only pay attention to what's written in the text, which I think, like I say. Is sad because we do miss out. Um, if you're writing a novel, there's a golden rule, which is uh, show, don't tell. Show what's happening in a story, don't tell it. And I think there are, if you show something, you're not actually writing down. And um, for example, an example, Fred felt terrified is to tell it, but. To show it is to say, uh, sweat started to pour off Fred's face and, and so on and so forth, you know. And you're not, by showing, you're, you're not actually directly saying what's going on. The people have to infer that, you know. Um, you don't use the word fear. Um, so I think, you know, in things like the story of the, the Gospels and seeing Jesus, it's, from a novel point of view, it's, it's so clear that the um, he was unhurried. The fact that Lazarus, he let Lazarus die, the fact that he let Jairus' daughter die, speaks of somebody not prepared to be rushed or hurried. But he, he lived in the moment. And so on his way to um, minister to Jairus' daughter, 
he got stopped by the woman with the issue of blood. And that's what God wanted him to deal with at that time. So Jairus' daughter died, but he was not prepared to be hurried. And um, we we have to look. I've never, I've never heard anybody suggest that um, before. But to me, it seems obvious from the story. Um, like I say, having to look at the story from a story point of view and see what else is it, it's saying. We miss a lot, a lot from the Bible anyway. We miss the fact that there was a lot of humor going on because we don't have access to it in the, the Greek. Or, um, so I, th I, I think my interest, and I had a great interest in, in stories, I still do. So that was part of me seeing what was going on with Jesus. And uh, I was fascinated by different portrayals of him on, on the screen as well, as kind of holier than now serious. My, a good friend of mine, Murray Watts, wrote the screenplay for a, an animated version of Jesus called uh, Miracle Maker. I don't know whether you've ever seen it. Um, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful uh, film. Uh, it was made in 2000. And uh, it's animated. It's um, stop frame animation, which is an advantage and a disadvantage. I mean, it, stop its animation but you you kind of get the essence of jesus without any distractions of a, an actor playing it but um murray was determined to portray jesus as fully human and so he has a sense of humor in it and that there's, there's quite a bit to laugh about in the, in the story i think it's a, a great version of the, the gospel luke so, yeah, I think that sort of sums it up, me wanting to see who, who was Jesus really, apart, apart from his teaching, apart from his teaching and his ministry, who was he, you know, what made him tick? And, and then God, God brought me to this idea of his relaxed attitude, and uh, you don't see Jesus running at any point in the Gospels, you know. I mean, those were the two main things that opened up the uh, opened up the whole book for me. Just that about Jesus, and that and that seemed to fit with the his spending time in quiet. And one of my favorite verses I hadn't mentioned this favorite verses in the Bible is Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty. The uh, come to me all who are weary, which Eugene Peterson translates with uh, words I love. Uh, Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn to live freely and lightly. And I, and I mean, those are the key to the book. That's what I realized was at the heart of it. You know, so how do you how do you learn to live in the unforced rhythms of grace? How do you learn to live freely and lightly, and and serve God with silence being the answer, the core of the book. this point in the podcast, Mike is going to lead us in a prayer practice, followed by a blessing. This practice is meant to be a guide for those of us whose lives require our time and attention to be focused on tasks throughout much of the day. 
Mike calls this active contemplation in his book, and it is a great way to invite and be aware of God's presence with you, even when you don't have time to sit in silence. And now to Mike. I'm aware, as I wrote the book, that many, many of you may be too busy to spend any great length of time in silent prayer. For you, there, there is the practice of practicing the presence of God that was made famous by Brother Lawrence. And uh, I ask you to take this exercise away with you and use it during a time when um, you are active. Um, but you can be distracted from time to time. And the practice is this. It was um, invented by a missionary called Frank Lobach, who wrote a book called The Game of Minutes. And though it sounds artificial, it is a blessed, blessed way of... Um, bringing God into your life throughout the day. So choose a time, maybe an hour long, maybe longer. And as you are being active in whatever you're doing, try to bring God into your mind every few minutes of that time. You'll need a watch. It doesn't have to be for long, just acknowledging God or acknowledging Jesus, telling them that you love them, something short like that. And try to do that every two or three minutes throughout your allotted time. If you're able to do that for longer periods of time, it will bring you closer and to God in the fullness of time. And it's a wonderful exercise. And God bless you in it. For all my brothers and sisters out there who listen to the podcast, who read my book, in Jesus' name, I bless you with an increased intimacy with God, with Jesus. I bless you with the knowledge of his love for you in a far deeper way. I bless you with a more relaxed Christian walk. I bless you with understanding and experiencing the unforced rhythms of grace. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Thank you for listening to the Thin Space Podcast. If you've enjoyed these conversations with Mike, you'd surely find his book, The Silent Jesus, a pleasure to read.
You can find it on Amazon in the U.S. or in the U.K., and we've provided helpful links in the show notes to this episode. For those of you who already have a copy of The Silent Jesus and have read through it, please leave a review on Amazon. Thank you to those of you who have supported the Thin Space podcast in 2021. Your financial contributions, reviews, and listens have helped us reach thousands of people and rank among the top spirituality podcasts in the United States and Canada for a couple of weeks this year. May the Lord be with you.